0: Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness.
1: And I'm Ann Roby, an HR executive and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. So this is going to be a very different episode. Normally when we... Put podcasts out. We try really hard to make them clean and not a lot of background noise, and you'd be surprised at how many times Sherry and I screw up our equipment when trying to set it up. Um, but today is special. Sherry and I haven't seen each other in almost two years because of this pandemic. And so we are vacationing together in the beautiful Colorado Mountains. And we are literally on a hike right now, so you may hear the trees rustling, you may hear water or birds or who knows what else might come across our path. You'll certainly hear us both huffing and puffing a little bit. (laughs) Um, But the reason we wanted to do it this way is this episode is going to be about friendships and not only our friendship and how we met, but some research that we've done. And then you'll also get a chance to hear from some of our friends and what friendships kind of mean to them. But for now, it's the huffing and Puffin version of Sherry and I walking up this hill. And uh, we want to start Sherry with the story of how we met and became friends. Yeah, one thing that's so amazing to me is in some ways, it seems like it was
0: forever ago. And in some ways, it feels like it was five years. Yeah, we just linked. Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy. And in fact, I think it was like 15 years ago now. Wow. And so the way we met is I was giving a program at a company that... And had recently joined, a friend of mine who brought me in to do the program had told me, hey, we've got a new HR director. You guys have to meet because you're gonna love each other. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, set that up sometime. So in the meantime, I'm doing this program and there's a woman in the room who is asking questions and making comments. And I'm thinking, man, if I put a plant in this room. That would be the plant. That woman over there named Anne would be the plant. And after the program, I went up to her, we started chatting. She introduces herself as the new HR director. And I'm like, I see why Linda said we needed to meet. And so fast forward a couple weeks later, we have lunch together. Anne engages me to do work with one of their offices that's like two hours away. That's right. And as we put together what the project was going to look like, we actually decided to do the work together. And a couple of days before the first date, I reached out to Anne and asked if she wanted to drive together, which was a bit of a risky proposition, of (laughs) course. Two hours there, two hours back. If we didn't like each other, it would have been bad. Exactly. And then, like, six or seven hours, like, doing the work together during the day. Well, as it turned out, and you can probably surmise, it went quite well. And, in fact, we both realized that it was actually, like, we were probably going to meet one way or the other based on how much we had in common.
1: That's right. And um, it was a long day. And uh, we did some great work with the office. (laughs) And then I distinctly remember, Sherry, do you remember this, that we were driving back. And I mentioned that one of my favorite yoga teachers was opening her new studio that afternoon, or that evening, I guess. And um, I was going to go and I think I asked, hey, do you want to come too? And so after that 10 hours together, we went home, put on our yoga clothes, and went to this brand new studio. And so in some ways, that was kind of like off to the races for our friendship, right? So my friend Shasta Nelson talks about the three components of friendships that are really, really important. And we'll put some of Shasta's information in the show notes because she writes specifically about friendships. So the three components are positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. And in this case, we've already talked about consistency, right? So Sherry, you had come, we had met at the program that you were doing for the company I was working for, and then we had lunch, and then we went and did this uh, piece of work two hours away, and (laughs) same day, we went to the opening of the yoga studio, and to your point, it was a little bit of an act of vulnerability to even ask if we wanted to ride together, Um, And then we had the consistency part down, and then just hanging out with you in general is an act of positivity. Well, and the other piece of the consistency is we had a series of meetings we did with that group. That's right. right?
0: So we had three or four more trips where we had three or four more opportunities. Opportunities, right in the car forever. Right, and you know, as one of my neighbors has said about this podcast, God, you and Ann are so good talking to each other. And I explained (laughs) to him we have hundreds and hundreds of hours of experience talking to each other. Lots and lots of time. Lots of consistency.
1: And so, you know, we could talk lots more about our own friendship, and it'll probably get woven in through the rest of this podcast. But suffice it to say, it was the beginnings of just a truly wonderful, lovely friendship, um, which has literally led us to where we are right now on this hiking path in beautiful Colorado. So, Sherry, when we think about... Um, other friendships, other than our own, which of course is Are there isn't...
2: other friendships? <laughs> it's
1: just us. It's all about us. But I remember when we were prepping for this, you talked a little bit about your experience right out of college and working for a large firm. Um, and when you left there, you had kind of really strong feelings about some of the friends you might be leaving behind.
0: Yeah, I worked for a big CPA firm, and most of the 500 professional staff were under 30 and mostly single. And so besides the fact it was a big CPA firm and we all worked like horrendously long hours, um, it was like this massive social environment. And we traveled as a big pack and I felt like I had so many friends there. And when I left four and a half years later, I remember being super clear and
1: really sad that there was no way I could stay in touch with this many people. Right, because that goes to that consistency point that Shasta was talking about, right? And so- you know, when we're in school or sometimes right out of school, and we're kind of I had a similar experience when I first started working at IBM a million years ago, where there were a bunch of us hired right out of college campus, and we all started work together. And so, in, in places like school or new work environments, often you have this kind of built-in consistency which gets harder and harder as we become older and more mature adults. But what I loved about what you told me about the story about that experience is you had some specific thoughts about who you thought you would and wouldn't stay in touch with.
0: Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. There were some people I knew were going to be lifetime friends. There were some people I thought would be at least long-ish term friends. And there were some people I've really was fairly certain it would just fall away when we didn't have work in common. And the people I thought would be lifetime friends really have been lifetime friends. But it was those other two groups. There were people that I really thought we'd stay in touch and some of those we didn't. It turned out we really didn't have a lot in common besides work. And then there were a few people that... I would have never expected that we would have stayed in touch and built a friendship completely separate from that work experience. And it was a really early lesson in recognizing that some friendships are situational. It doesn't diminish the relationship at all, but it's really in the context of that situation. And it's always interesting to discover who transcends that.
1: Yeah, so what you're referencing, and it's funny, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about my friend Shasta here again because she talks about friends coming into our lives for a particular reason, a particular season, or for a lifetime. And so in this case you're talking about some folks that were there just kind of for that season, the season of your life when you worked there. And some folks that are there for a lifetime, right? And there are other situations where people come into your life for a specific reason and and may not exit altogether, but they may sort of come out of that immediate tight circle of friends for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. And I'm just sitting here and reflecting on, I have definitely had people in my life that they came in at a certain moment. And when that reason had been fulfilled, it was time for the friendship to move on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's always sad. I've had a couple of those as well. Um, and some, some, you know, also ended because one or the other of us disappointed each other. And so mm-hmm. I want to talk for a couple of minutes about that positivity thing. And um, I remember distinctly, you know, as a youngster going to Catholic school just about a million years ago. And the nuns, they were actually referencing prayer. But it's very similar to what we're talking about with this idea of positivity. And what the nuns <laughs> used to say was, the amount that you put in needs to be greater than what you're taking out. And I think about that with relationships and with friendships. And I think that's what Shasta's talking about on the positivity side as well. It is, it's not that you have to be positive all the time, because let's be honest, part of being friends is that you can rely on each other when things just go rough or start getting tough in some way. But it can't always be a draw or a negative or a suck on your, on your time or life in some way or another. And that there has to be more positive inputs than outputs, right. if you will. Right. And Stephen Covey has a similar concept
0: that I, I'm pretty sure he refers to it as the emotional bank account. And that over, over time in relationships, you make deposits into the bank account and you make withdrawals because relationships are reciprocal, but that it's so important to be mindful that you are depositing at least as much
1: in as you are taking out. That's right. And there are definitely times when, due to circumstances in your life, that you'll be taking more out. And in fact, we're going to hear from Sherry's sister about that exact situation where she had a health crisis and she realized when she was going through that, how important her friends were to her. And she will speak exactly to this balance between the positive and the negative.
0: I'm sitting here with my sister, Karen Hochberg. She and her husband are visiting from Maryland. And so this is a big treat to be hanging out with her. So Karen, what do you think about friendship?
2: I think about friendship as an opportunity to truly be yourself with somebody and to know that they will be by you and understand whether things are good, whether things are bad, whether you're being goofy or serious, that they accept you for who you are. Um, I also think about friendship as sort of a gradation of relationships because you can have friendships that are maybe focused on a lot of shared interests, but maybe you don't share your inner self with them. And then you can have that friendship that is really more like a sister.
0: The thing I feel so lucky about is having a sister, we're two years apart, and having a sister who is
2: also one of my best friends. Our friendship in many ways did not happen immediately. I think if we look, if I look back, it's definitely something that's happened later in life. And I think a lot of the development of our friendship was really over our own shared trauma.
0: I always think about it as we didn't really start to build a relationship till we were in college. And that was really the early stages of becoming more than just sisters. Well, broadening beyond sisters, what role have friends played in your life, especially when you were going through your year of being treated for breast cancer? Thank God
2: for my friends. I walked away from that year with, of course, you being the most instrumental in just sort of the everyday support that I had. But one of the things that I really walked away from that I truly believe is you you get what you give. And I never really looked at friendship that way before, but it was overwhelming how many of my friends were there for me, whether it was meals, whether it was to send me a card, whether it was to send me a joke or to just sit with me with a coffee. And I really live by that now of you, you really get what you give. And I guess I gave a lot prior to my breast cancer because I certainly got a lot from my work friends, my close friends, my family friends, friends of friends. And um, I think it had a lot to do with the ease that I went through my treatment because anybody who's gone through any kind of treatment for any kind of cancer knows it is really tolling and taxing and exhausting. And um, But I just always had somebody around me even on my lowest of days to sort of say, just put one foot in front of the next. You got this, you got this, you got this.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes such a huge difference when going through hard times, when you have a circle of support around you. And I got to see how many of your friends just rallied and were just there for whatever yeah. whatever
1: you needed.
2: Yeah, I have to say, I... Of course, it's been what six years? Yay! I (sighs) know. And in that six years, I have had a handful of friends who have also gone through treatment. And one of the, it's an honor. I have to say, I've had some coworkers who have reached out to me when they were diagnosed with breast cancer to say, I just saw how graceful you were when you went through your treatment. And I, I want to talk to you. I have breast cancer and have really come to me as kind of a, for lack of a better word, a little bit of a role model. And I don't know, it just is a, a amazing feeling to think that in your lowest of lows, you somehow had a positive impact and people remembered what it was like to interact with me during that time. So yeah, it's a very defining moment in my life, actually. Yeah, well, I can say having... Been in your life my whole
0: life is. I see the long friendships you have, and I see the ways in which you're such a good friend. And I feel really lucky that I get to call you both my sister and my friend. Ditto. Hmm. So let's talk about social media for a couple of minutes and the ways that it can impact friendship for better or worse. And I know you have some thoughts on that, Anne.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways social media. Is awesome. Um, You know, it allows you to stay in touch with folks. You can sort of keep contact with people that used to be really hard to keep contact with just because life or circumstances brought you geographically apart. Um, And it's a way to have, like I said, light touch sort of consistency. I think the problem becomes is when we over rely on social media to be the way that we stay connected to friends. And so what I would say is great for connecting or reconnecting. And, you know, my suggestion is just don't over rely. Now, I remember, Sherry, you have a great story about reconnecting using social media.
0: Yeah, it's probably my favorite Facebook story because I have a very, very conflicted feelings about Facebook. And I had a Facebook message, and I can't believe if I sent it or my friend sent it, but it was from my first friend I made in California when we moved there when I was seven. And we had been really, really close. And then somewhere in our late 20s, we just kind of lost touch. And not for any bad reason at all, just we just lost touch. And so many years later, one of us reached out and said, would love. Oh, we became Facebook friends. One of us friended the other one and then somebody reached out and said, want to do a catch up phone call. And the other one said, that would be great. And we got on the phone and it was like, no time had passed, even though so much time had passed and so many life circumstances had changed.
1: And this was the person you had been friends with since you were seven. Mm -hmm. Since I was seven. Right. I think that that is the magic of social media and the fact that – I mean, what I just heard you say is that you used social media, in this case Facebook, as a way to reconnect with somebody you hadn't seen in years – Um, But then it was really by speaking on the phone and eventually seeing each other that really solidified the reigniting of your friendship.
0: No question. Um, It it really did start because it was really a pre-Zoom world, uh, at least with the idea of having social conversations on Zoom. We had a number of phone calls. Yeah. I mean, this this is when social media really, really works. So I am sitting here with my friend, Claire Baum, who we are not literally sitting together. It's virtual. I'm in Raleigh and she is in L.A. And one of the reasons I was really excited to chat with her about friendship is she was my first friend when my family moved to California. And we were seven years old when we met. And I will forever be grateful for that. So one of the reasons I really wanted to talk is that while we were really, really good friends through our childhood and through college and into our 20s is we lost touch sometime in our late 20s for about 20-ish years and not for any particular reason. We ultimately reconnected via Facebook. This is the part of Facebook that I love is the ease of reconnecting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. It's actually, I have, I don't post a lot on Facebook or whatever, but the finding you was one of the highlights of my Facebook experience.
0: Yeah. Well, for me as well, because I remember I got a friend request from you Mm -hmm. and I was just like ridiculously over the moon about it. One of us suggested that we hop on the very old fashioned phone and catch up.
3: Yes, that was um, just such a great thing, because we had this foundation of a friendship that went back so many years. And, you know, I think that childhood friends are, there's nothing like them.
4: Mm.
3: And it uh, it was so easy to just talk to you again.
0: Yeah, I felt exactly the same way. Yeah, there
3: was no it didn't take a lot of effort. It wasn't awkward. It was just we just kind of slipped back into something.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's something about having that shared history. Mm
3: -hmm. And,
0: you know, in the fact our parents were really good friends. And so our families were very intertwined. And and so it was just, it was so wonderful to, I do remember that first conversation, there was a lot about, you know, how's Mark and Sam, your brothers, and right, how's Karen and Ricky, my sister and brother, and there is something when it's that foundational, and it really is just a drifting apart, not a like, oh, something happened, that it's just shockingly easy to pick it up 20 some odd years later. Interesting to me, and I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say it surprised me or didn't surprise me. That's not the right word. But when I am in L.A., like you are always on my A-list to see. And I long ago stopped running all over town to see like every friend that I've mm-hmm. ever had in my California life. And yeah. it's I mean, part of it is I just love spending time with you and talking to you. But part yeah. of it, I do think, is that deep history. Yes.
3: it's, it's, it's it's just so special to have someone in your life who knew you back then and knew your family and had similar, you know, was part of a similar community, something extremely, there's just nothing like that.
5: Mm,
0: Yeah, I, I agree. You know, one of the things Anne and I talked a little bit about earlier in this episode, and then we did a whole episode on vulnerability is it's still an act of vulnerability to reach out to someone you haven't been in touch with for a long time. Yes. You know? And so you sending that friend request was vulnerable, us getting on the phone and having a conversation after all those years. Yeah. And I think it's such a good reminder of why vulnerability is so important and yields such gifts.
3: Well, it's just, it's about taking risks
0: and, you know. Something that you did that means so much to me is when my mom died, oh gosh, it's been almost six years ago now. Wow. And right, for anybody who doesn't live in LA, you might not fully get this, but you drove from LA to San Diego yeah. for, you know, for, for an evening and then turned around and drove back to LA, which is like could be four to five hours in the car at round trip. And like, that was, I think, such a testament to how the roots of the friendship, like mm-hmm. they don't go away,
3: mm-hmm. you know? They, yeah. Uh, well, and your mom was an important part of my life um, growing up, good friend of my mother's and, um, I just, it felt, it felt important to be there with you and. Uh, right. Right. With him, Karen,
0: and- right. So I just want to make one last comment before we wrap this up on mm-hmm. from that night is I just, it just popped into my head and it was such a wonderful part of what was a really hard evening was somebody had put out like piles and piles and piles of pictures, right. That had come out of my mom's house and we're all back there going through the pictures. And there were so many pictures that you were in. I don't know if you remember that, right? It was like all those childhood pictures and there were so many that you were in and it was just the, I don't know. It was like the sweetest, sweetest thing.
1: So the suggestion is to use whatever social media that you are currently associated with as a way of connecting but not expecting that to be the way that you solidify your friendship. So one of the things that um, Shasta also says is that we have an epidemic of loneliness in this country and most of us have a significant number of quote friends on our social media Um, And yet we, a lot of us are often still feeling really, really lonely. And it's because some of social media actually gives this illusion of connection when really it's pretty tenuous at best. And so if you are somebody that is feeling like you don't have enough friendships or you're one of those folks, sometimes like me or like Sherry, we both have stories about moments in our life where we really just felt deeply lonely. If you find yourself in that position, I mean, one of the suggestions is, that you can utilize social media as that way to reconnect with folks and in other ways as well. So, for instance, when I first moved to um, Napa, where I live now, I used Meetup to meet some new people. And so I joined a couple of Meetup groups for tennis and hiking and some other things, and it facilitated me meeting new people.
0: Yeah, and I would add to that when I moved to Washington, D.C. in my mid-30s and I knew one person and was so profoundly lonely, and this was way in a pre-meetup world, in a pre-social media world, and I recognized that I was going to have to be very intentional about meeting people, and I referred to it as the blind date approach to meeting friends. Right. And I had a couple of friends in other states who would say, oh, I know somebody in D.C. And I'd say, give me their number. And many of those were what I would refer to as transitional. They were lovely people. The friendship didn't really take. But over time, I don't know how else I would have built a circle of friends. Yeah.
1: And it was hard work. Yeah. And and it remains hard work, whether you have you know, in your case, it was pre-social media. You were using the the phone and and friends of friends to to sort of connect. But it wasn't a rotary phone, <laughs> at least. <laughs> um, so today there are other opportunities. So meetup is a meetup is an opportunity. There's um, other groups that you can join on Facebook or other places. Um, even some of the traditional dating sites have ways to connect and meet with friends. And so. Whatever format works for you, there are ways, if you feel like you don't have enough friends or you want to bring more friends into your life, there are ways on social media to connect, but it does take effort. It's not like it just happens if you're sitting inside the house by yourself, right? You have to put yourself out there a little bit. You have to get out. You have to be willing to practice some of that vulnerability. I have
0: a client who refers to it as, I know, I know, I need to lace up my sneakers and get off the cul-de-sac.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, And so looking for some of those options, if you are wanting to look for new friends, uh, create new friendships, there are opportunities through a social media format. Okay, so once you establish some friendships, either new ones or ones that you've had for a while, then where you really need to go to next is, is how do you really maintain and solidify those? And this is when some of that vulnerability and consistency comes in. And what that means is with vulnerability, you not only let yourself be seen but you also feel seen by the people that you're with. and so if you are in close proximity to friends, then the opportunity then is to get together on a regular basis to connect on a regular basis um, and go below the surface. you know we talked about vulnerability early on in the podcast um, and authenticity a few weeks ago and Both of these are really, really important components of maintaining and deepening friendships. And Anne, when you moved from
0: Raleigh to the Bay Area, it's been 10 years now, which I can't believe it. I know, it's crazy. It's crazy. And part of why I can't believe it is because we still see each other, pandemics notwithstanding. Usually
1: uh, it's with credit cards in hand and, and shopping. <laughs> doing a little local shopping damage. <laughs> and
0: eating. Don't forget the eating part. <laughs> lots of eating. Uh, lots of lots of eating. And when you moved, you suggested something that I am so grateful for that has not only sustain our friendship, but let our friendship continue to deepen over the last 10 years. And that was putting a recurring time on the calendar to spend an hour on the phone together every other week.
1: Yeah. And I rem- distinctly remember even when I was having really, really hard time at my job. I still kept that meeting even when I was book solid all day. And I know sometimes I was wildly distracted because I was so busy, but what I appreciate is, you know, you and I do our best to keep that meeting on the calendar. Now that may be more formal than those of you that are listening may want or need, but it's an example of the way and the commitment that Sherry and I had to each other to really make sure that we stayed connected it somewhat reminds me of my friends from college, shout out to the 440 girls, you know who you are, that we commit once a year to getting together, um, usually somewhere fun like Napa or San Diego or Mexico or what have you. And so while that's not as consistent as Sherry and I in our weekly calls, It is a commitment and a consistency on an annual basis that we know no matter what we can kind of pick up wherever we left off and so there's something to be said for friends that we've had for a really long time as well one of the things that is such a
0: testament to the way you sustain and nurture your friendships and is we had the great fun of joining you in Mexico for your big birthday bash. And I'll let you disclose if you want to disclose, (laughs) but I'm not going to be the one to disclose age.
1: Um, And it wasn't
0: yesterday. (laughs) And was the number of childhood friends that flew to Mexico and spent that birthday weekend with you. I don't remember how many it was, but it was like more than three or four.
1: Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for, I, I love, I'm, I'm so lucky that I'm, have in my life, friends that I've had forever, newer friends, friends from college, etc. And so, you know, what I want to do now is actually hear a little bit from my friend, Becky, who I have known since I was five years old. And uh, we were recently visiting and I captured some of her thoughts about friendship. Okay. Recording Becky LaCroix. Oh, Becky Milani. That's how long we've known each other. I just called you Becky LaCroix by your... By your maiden name, um, which means to me we've been friends a very, very long time because you've been married a long time. So tell me, uh, Beck, what is, uh, why are friendships so important to you?
4: You know, friendships are important to me. I mean, I think they kind of round us out as, as people. But, you know, I think of friends, I think of what my friends and I call our tribe. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got your core friends, your tribe, your people that are always there for you. You know, friendship to me is never jealous Friendship to me is always supportive and authentic. You get to be your true self, you know, let your freak flag fly, so to say. But then also, you know, being vulnerable with your friends, that kind of thing. So I think of I think of that when I think of true friendships, kind of my core tribe and people that you can always pick right back up with where you started, even if it's been months and years that you've seen each other and in some cases even, you know, communicated, you know, telephone calls or even texting. You know, and then there's the friendships that are sort of that outer circle of your tribe, too the friends of friends or even acquaintances that you enjoy company with. But when I think of friendship, I think of, you know, people that sort of fill my tank, you know, fill my soul, fuel me again when you've maybe not seen them in a different way than maybe your spouse or family or children that you, you spend most of your time with. So, yeah, important relationships and authentic and, um, dependable in a, in a way, even if you're you know not together all the time, you can always rely on them to, to be there for you.
1: Yeah. I, I love what you said about there's like the core friends and then there's friends sort of in the outer circle. And I know you've had some friends that you've been friends with for life, like me, since we were like five. So tell me, is there a difference between people you've known for a long time and maybe this outer circle or even really core tribe friends, like you described it? But that are a little bit newer. So just difference between the older and the kind of newer friendships.
4: You know, there is. I would say my childhood friendships like you, and you know the girlfriends that I'm talking about. When you grow up in your kind of hometown, we we, you know, grew up in a nice small community. And to me, those are more like family, honestly. I mean, great friends, but truly family where, you know, sometimes maybe you're you have disagreements, but there's never gonna be something that sets those relationships apart. And same thing, you can, you know, pick up years later. And feel like no time has passed. And you have so much in common. I think those are what was you know what is unique. You've kind of grown up with the same values and and great memories and experiences. And I think especially those experiences probably in your teen years that really form form you and create some great memories. So yeah, I think old childhood friends that you remain friends with are are really to me, more like family. And then, yeah, the newer friends I've met through, um, you know, moms of my children going to school that are my great and dear friends and what I, you know, also refer to as my tribe that I spend a lot of time with. Uh, still just authentic, fun, reliable, but not needy, not jealous, but at the same time supportive and, you know, kind of loving you for who you are. We have been friends, best friends, when five years old when you moved in next door our bedroom windows are across the driveway and it was kind of the same thing we were best of friends of kids and then you went to a different school and had a different circle of friends but then we were still neighbors and dear friends and did all kinds of shenanigans together and you know then you went off on your way to college and i went a different way and you know here we are still after all these years where we've kind of you know weaved our way down our different life's uh path and still great friends while we've developed a different group of friends and different interests and life, you know, careers, you know, and we're still great friends. So I think that's been really special.
1: So the other interesting thing when you're trying to develop additional friendships is really staying open to the possibilities of new people that you meet. And I have a bunch of stories of people that I met in strange circumstances or not what you would would describe as, you know, if I was going to draw a diagram of the best way to meet new great friends, wouldn't necessarily be this, but Part of what we want to encourage you to do is to really assume best intent when you're meeting people and really, as I said, stay open to possibilities. And so, Sherry, you have kind of a funny story of one of your really good friends.
0: I do. And I just want to caveat by saying I was like 24 when this happened. (laughs) So lots of grace for me. Um, So I was working in public accounting and I was on an audit and it was my second year on the audit and there was somebody new who had joined the team who had just joined Cooper's. And she... Is somebody who is not like warm and fuzzy when you meet her. And that is still true today. Um, But it, it was fine, super smart, not warm and fuzzy. And within the first couple of days, we went out to lunch, the whole group went out to lunch, and she made some comment, joking, I understood in retrospect, that had to do with like bacon and some other comment. And I heard it as a very anti Semitic comment. And I am Jewish. I get home, I call my friend, Mike, very good friend who also worked at Cooper's, also Jewish, and said, oh, my God, um, this person's on the audit. And she said something really anti-Semitic today and I don't know what to do. And he was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, because he, too, was like 24. And as it turned out... um, She was joking and she has one parent who's Jewish and one parent who's not. But I didn't find that out till later. A couple weeks later, I say to my friend, Mike, oh, my gosh, against my will, I'm starting to like Carrie. Right. I don't want to like her. (laughs) I love the fact that you even said against my will. (laughs) Against my will. And fast forward, like, you know. Almost 40 years later, and she is one of my closest friends. And if you put a description of each of us on paper and said, what is the likelihood these two people would be friends? Most people would rate it as like
1: low. Yeah, it's so funny. And one person you'll hear from... Uh The way he and and I became friends was, you know, I was the head of HR for a company. And let's just say he had a reason he had to come see somebody in HR, which isn't probably the normal start of a lot of great friendships. But the fact is, is both he and I were open and willing to explore the fact that potentially we could be friends. Michael, we've been friends now for...
6: Ever. Feels
3: like. 15 years,
6: maybe? at, at At least. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. not right. Do you remember how we became friends? I do remember how we became friends. <laughs> what uh, would you like to say about that? <laughs> well, here's what I remember most about that.
3: All right.
6: Not my best moment mm-hmm. when I'm dealing with the new HR chick. <laughs> <laughs> in in a very direct way. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need to say. <laughs> but I remember what you said. Mm. My obligation is to you. You're my employee. And that was a big deal to me. Like, it would have been very easy to take a different approach. Um, like, some people really, you know, again, not my best best time as an employee, and I've, I've learned a lot. And then, And then the next thing you did, which I found even more endearing, was that you found a way to turn that into, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take your your experience, and then we're gonna turn this into something good yeah. and put me in a different position within the organization rather than being the guy that screwed up. You found a way to put me at the as as the guy that's making a change and doing something positive. So I've always been thankful for that, of course.
3: Yeah.
6: And I think that set the stage for a a different relationship with you and me to morph into what truly one of my best, if not my best friend, Mm -hmm. never had a sister. (laughs) But if I did, I think it would be you. We Um,
3: certainly give each other enough crap to be brother.
6: Exactly. There are people that I've remained connected to through my life, but I use the word friend very sacredly.
1: It's interesting you brought up the male-female thing because I do think people have looked at you and I throughout the years and thought, oh, they must be screwing oh, around yeah. or something, right? right? Like, And so it is, I mean, for a while you were single, I'm still single, and but it's cool that we've been able to kind of maintain, maybe it's that brother-sister thing that we give each other enough yeah. shit or something.
4: Right?
6: <laughs> <laughs> we view the world entirely differently in so many ways. Like, I was if wondering if we ever, were going to go there. If you ever line up like, you know, these are all—all all the various beliefs. These are the ten, you know, critical beliefs in life. Like we overlap on maybe one. Come on, couple, a couple. We both like dogs, for instance.
1: We both love your children.
6: We both love my children. Yes, but everything else, like it's—it would be like there's no way those two can be friends, and like, and it works because that. Those aren't the most important things to either one of us where well, we I, disagree.
1: I think that what ends up happening is we kind of say our piece and then we just sort of recognize we're not going to get closer, but we also don't have to destroy the other when we're talking about this. Right. And right. so I think it comes back to what you're saying about mutual respect.
6: Right. I'm, I admire your opinion. I respect where you come from. I don't have to agree with it.
1: Hmm. Anything else just about friendships in general or our friendship or other friendships that you have that, that you'd like to say just about being friends or or your friendships?
6: Well, I mean, you know, it's it's over and over and over. You hear it and you hear it for a reason. Like, isn't that really the most important thing we do?
2: Yeah.
6: You know, as you go through life, make a few friends.
1: Really connect, support each other, be there for each other. Right. So, the point to all of this is even when things maybe start a little rocky or you have some assumptions about somebody, what we really want to encourage you to do is assume kind of best intent and stay open to that possibility, to that opportunity that maybe this person could be a good friend. So we've talked about people that you meet kind of first season for a short time in your life. We talk about people that, you know, friends that we've had sort of for a lifetime. And then there's this third component that sometimes people come into your life for a reason. And so, Sherry, I know you have a story about somebody you met when you moved to D.C. Yeah,
0: as I said earlier in the conversation, I was really lonely. And it turned out my next door neighbor was at a point in her life where she was very available. And she really got me out of that lonely hump because we'd have dinner together a couple times a week and we would just sit and chat. And it really, really got, got me over that hump. And then her situation changed and she wasn't living there anymore. And I had started meeting people. And it just seemed so clear at the time that there was a reason yeah. that she showed up in my life. And when that reason was no longer necessary,
1: yeah. it it was, it came to a really perfect ending. Well, and what a beautiful gift she gave you.
0: Absolutely.
1: Right. And, it, and I do think of sometimes this, this idea of reason in friendships is a gift. And so literally just this week, you know, when we come to Colorado, we stay in this cute little neighborhood. And one of the first nights that I was here, or Sherry, before you even got here, Uh, I met this, this neighbor and he happens to have a fly fishing business. And so he taught me how to fly fish this week. Now, don't get me wrong. I am pretty, do you really need to know how to fly fish? (laughs) Well, maybe not. And let's just say I wasn't very successful at it. Um, But the fact is, is this is another, this is an example of sometimes people come into your life to teach you something. And so this guy came into my life, however, briefly to teach me how to fly fish. And so I think I'll remain friendly with him, right? We've connected on social media. And when we come back out to Colorado, we might contact him again. He's not going to be one of my besties, but that's another example of a reason, right? So when you think about friends, you can think about these different ways that they come into your life, season, reason, or lifetime—and people can move in and out. They can either be kind of close, intimate friends that you have regular connection with. You can have folks that, you know, maybe a sort of a broader circle that you see at times, but you know, they're not necessarily the person that's going to bail you out in the middle of the night. And, um, you know, and then there's those, those, those people that are kind of more in the periphery that maybe some folks that you work with and you enjoy spending time with or my fly fishing example. Right. So lots of different iterations of friendship. So not only was I lucky
0: enough to spend time with Anne in the mountains of Colorado, but now I'm spending a few days with my niece and nephew, who both live in the Denver area. And last night, just completely coincidentally, my niece Alyssa started talking about friendship and some of her thoughts coming out of the pandemic and things opening back up. And so I thought it would be really cool to include her voice in this episode as well. So Alyssa, can you just share a little bit about what you were sharing with me last night?
5: Yeah, so I think one of the things that's been really interesting in this time of life, number one, coming up on five years living in Colorado, where, you know, over the past five years, I've been very lucky to have met so many interesting and incredible people who I want to spend lots of time with. And then at the same time, coming out of this pandemic world where, you know we saw nobody and we didn't do anything. One of the things that I've been trying to do is very intentionally prioritize my time and have like very meaningful deep friendships with people. And one of the interesting things that I've been realizing is that um, it's very difficult to invest quality time and have deep meaningful friendships with tons and tons of people. and it's just been an interesting challenge as you know an adult in twenty twenty one
0: So one of the things I have always so admired about you is the length of the friendships that you maintain and how you invest in your friendships and how many friends you still have that you've had since childhood, right? And so even though you're only in your 20s, you still have a lot of friendships that are over 20 years old. And it's a pretty incredible thing. And the point you make is such a good one around... it's almost impossible to invest a lot of quality time with a whole lot of people. And so one of the things you were talking about is starting to think about friends as almost like your inner circle, where these are the people you invest a lot of quality time and either one-on-one time or like really small group time. And then sort of this next ring of friendships, which are people you really like and you wanna stay connected to and you wanna spend time with, but being able to do it where it's in bigger social groups. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit easier, you can connect with a lot of people all at the same time.
5: Yeah, I think that's part of my process of intentionally moving forward with my friendships because i think like you said i have a lot of really close long-term friends and i think that doesn't say as much about me as it does about how lucky i've been to just have met so many amazing people and that's what makes it so challenging for me and so one of the things i've just started to do is is think functionally like okay which of my friends do I want to invest the most amount of time with. Well, and I get why it
0: can feel really weird, but I also think it's really awesome you're being so thoughtful and so mindful. And in the long run, I suspect that you'll look back and be really glad you did this because you will be able to sustain a broader group of friends and deepen a smaller group of friends. So any last words before we wrap it up?
5: Yeah, I just I just thought of something that I wanted to add, which is that one of the reasons why I was doing it is because during the pandemic, one of the things that I was really focusing on was how to be a really good friend. And one of the things that I really appreciated about having such a slow time of life is being able to invest so much quality time with people. And what it sort of made me realize and reflect on is that maybe I wasn't being as good of a friend as I wanted to be because I was spreading myself across such a large group. For me, I think right now, like the best way for me to be a good friend is to invest in a smaller number of friendships, investing quality time.
1: What we hope that you're taking from our discussion today is that if you are kind of feeling a little bit lonely or feeling like maybe your friends, you don't have as many friends as you'd like, or they're not as deep as you like, there's a couple of things we, you know, we really want to leave you with. So one is it is a, mutual responsibility. And just like a marriage or a kind of a love relationship, friendships take work and they don't just sort of happen, you know, by happenstance. So Sherry and I, like our relationship, we, you know, we made sure that we spent enough time together and really got to know each other so that we had a strong foundation for our friendship such that when we when I did move back across the country, we were able to stay friends and we put some things in place that we talked about to really maintain and continue our, our friendship. And I'd even add, not just maintain, but deepen yeah. our friendship. Yeah, I mean, this podcast is an example, right? It's exactly. I mean, the reason we call it Flowing East and West, uh, part of the reason is because I'm on the West Coast and Jerry's on the East. And, and frankly, at one point that was flipped. And so what we want to leave you with. And we really hope that you have tons of great friends in your life. We invite you into really welcoming friendship as, as a way to deepen and make your life even more meaningful than it already is.
0: Our hope is that you'll take one or two nuggets wherever you are in your friend situation, right? Whether you are looking for more friends or you are nurturing your existing friendships, that there's something here that will continue to support you in friendship. I know for both Anne and I, friendship is so important, not just our own friendship, right? But just friendships in our lives are so important. For me, it's just like oxygen. And I know the same is true for you, Anne. That's right. And that's what we really like want for everybody, whether for you that means one really good friend or it means like a whole circle of, you know,
1: amazing relationships in your life. All right, So we, since we are actually together, we're going to try to do this together. So that wraps up our podcast for this week.
0: Thanks for listening. And please join us again for Flowing
1: East, east and, west. and West, the, the perfectly, perfectly imperfect, imperfect journey, journey to, to a fulfilled, fulfilled life. life. <laughs>